Hi, this is Daniel Sandoval from the Sandoval Bench Podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, news, stats, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from basketball to football to soccer and esports. We've got it all on BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your phone to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. That's betonline.net. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode. You're listening to the Sandoval Bench Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. Uh, for this week, I wanted to get into the Jeff Saturday game, his first game as an interim head coach. There was a lot of backlash because he had gotten hired there, but you know, I guess it was eight games. I was upset about it. Uh, but yeah, they played a lowly Raiders team, so we'll get into that. Um, some more stuff about the Nets. I will recap the Week 10 NFL games and then preview week 11 with some parlay picks we'll also discuss some more nba news and check in on some teams and then i want to talk about white lotus season two um three episodes in i've really enjoyed it so far uh so we'll discuss that uh first let's recap week 10 of the nfl season we can start with the the headlining game which was the uh the jeff saturday game is what i'm calling it um very confusing because just a couple episodes ago, I believe we had we had the whole Matt Ryan thing. Like, oh, you know, the Colts decided to bench Matt Ryan for the rest of the season. Um, you know, even if he wasn't injured, because he does have some injury, that he'd be benched, right? And Jeff Saturday announces right before, you know, he had said Sam Ellinger was going to start, and then right before he changed back to Matt Ryan. Which is weird because Jim Irsay told Frank Reich to bench Matt Ryan. And then all of a sudden, Jeff Saturday comes in and he starts Matt Ryan. <laughs> and they win. And Matt Ryan actually looked good. I know it was against the Raiders team, but he did have a 90, uh, 90, a 39 yard scramble. Um, and he's 37 years old. Like he looked like that was it after that. But uh, they won the game 25 to 20. Um, the Raiders, on the other hand, um, not good. It's not looking good in Vegas. Uh, you know, they have a star-studded offense. You know, Josh Jacobs having a career year. You know, I know I keep talking about the Raiders and the Nets, but they're the ones that just, I don't know, they keep doing new things every week that just amaze me. Um, you know, you bring in Josh McDaniels, who, you know, who's, he was a play caller of New England during all the Super Bowls, but he's failed as a head coach. He can't lead men. He failed as a head coach in Denver, um, and then he backed out of the Indianapolis job. You know, and then the Raiders also have Darren Waller, but he's on the IR. They have uh, Hunter Renfro, you know, who caught over 100 balls last year on the IR. Uh, Devontae Adams, you know, arguably one of the best receivers in the game today. Um, some people picked him over Cooper Cup, um, and he was obviously frustrated. He's like, why'd you bring me here? I need to get more involved in the offense, blah, 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 blah. But he's actually getting targeted more than he was getting targeted in Green Bay. But it's just a quarterback that he has can't really deliver him the ball. 
But that's his neighbor. That's his former teammate at Fresno State. And he said something, you know, in the offseason. like, oh, when you go to one Hall of Fame quarterback to another Hall of Fame quarterback, suggesting that David Carr would ever play well enough to be considered a Hall of Fame quarterback, which I've, I don't think anyone in the Carr family, Carr, uh, including Carr himself, would ever believe that. Because, I mean, you put the talent around him, you've, he's had you know, good coaches, but has not been able to put it together. Um, so I think these are two teams headed in different directions. It seems like the Colts are rallying around their head, co- their new head coach, but, uh, and they gave Jonathan Taylor the ball 25 times, which is not a hard thing to decide, but they play the Eagles next who lost against Washington on Monday night. So um, we'll see how this honeymoon goes between the Colts and uh, Jeff Saturday, but for the Raiders, Mark Davis, he uh, doubled down on his support for Josh McDaniels, saying, oh, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Well, <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to take for Josh McDaniels to to build a winning team there. Your defense is pretty good. You have a, you have great offensive weapons, but nothing is clicking. It's I mean, obviously, it's the quarterback. Derek Carr has... Um, has not progressed at all. He's he's regressed, if anything. And, you know, I think the Raiders would kill to have Rich Passaccia. Who they had, they could have offered him another year extension. You know, he, the way he coached that team after the whole John Gruden situation. And then they, they just stepped out of bounds. They called it out of bounds against the Bengals. They could have beat the Bengals, who went to the Super Bowl last year. They were right there. So the Raiders could have potentially gone to the Super Bowl, basically. That's how it works. But or you know at least made it to the to the second round like they're right there. It was just like a bad uh, a bad non call f- uh, from the refs that made them lose that game. So uh, it's not good. They're two and eight now, right? Or two and seven. So they're bad. They only have two wins. But uh, Derek Carr had a emotional or how he put it an angry post game press conference. He said, I'm sorry I'm emotional, but I'm just so mad. And then he started crying, and then he said, um, you know, it's so hard. I don't, I don't, so I think Derek Carr is from, he's from Fresno, California. But the way he talks, it's like he's from, like, Baton Rouge or something, or he's from, like, Tuscaloosa. He, like, he's he's not from the South. But he has, all of a sudden, he has, like, this Southern draw about him that's funny. Uh, so just the way he was talking, it's like he's from the South. But I think, I'm like, dude, I think you're from Fresno, right? Um, but yeah, it's just basically saying it's so hard for, you know, to see what these pe- these teammates do to their bodies just to sleep at night and, you know, be there for each other. And then he's saying, oh, well, some people don't feel that way about this place. So I don't know if he's talking about Devonte Adams, but I know cause that was his close friend and his former teammate and his neighbor. Like, I don't think he'd be saying that about Devonte Adams, but who knows, right? He's calling someone out, and I'm not really sure who it is. Maybe Darren Waller. I don't know. But um, Derek Carr has always been a good leader, I think. You know, the way he handled the whole Henry Ruggs situation, the John Gruden situation, all this stuff. But, like, you can be a good leader, a great leader, I think. But at a certain point, you have to play well. You just have to. Like, that's just part of it. Like, no one's going to want to follow someone who just has no pocket presence at all and can't get the ball to Devontae Adams, who it shouldn't be that hard to get the ball to Devontae Adams. Just throw it up there. Give him a chance. Give him an opportunity to to succeed there. But, um, 
if I was Mark Davis, I would fire Josh McDaniels like immediately. Just get it over with. Maybe trade Devontae Adams back to Green Bay for Rich Bisaccia. How about that? I think you could do that. You can trade coaches. We haven't seen a coaching trade uh, for a while there. Uh, Sunday night, we had the Chargers and the 49ers. I'm waiting for this 49ers team to just explode. And it hasn't happened. And I'm tired of watching these games. And the broadcast was like, oh, check out all these all pros they have. George Kittle in 2019. Debo Samuel. Oh, now they have Christian McCaffrey. Look at... Look at these weapons for uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense. And then you bring back Elijah Mitchell and all this stuff. But then they only scored 22 points against a a battered Chargers defense. Like, only 22 points. They're like, Chargers were winning that game for a while. Then Fournaris came back. But I think they're going to eventually gel. You know, they have enough time during the season to gel. And then once everything comes together, they're going to be a scary offense. You know, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, he made no mistakes. He didn't do anything great, but he didn't throw any interceptions, didn't fumble the ball, no touchdowns. That's fine. Just pedestrian game. I'm fine with that as long as he's not throwing, you know, goal line interceptions or anything like that. But I just want to see uh, the fullback juice back there, uh, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and Elijah Mitchell. That's like that's your running game right there, basically, which is amazing. And then Elijah Mitchell, you know, coming back from injury, and he he almost had a thousand yards rushing last season, missing six games. Um, but then he had eighty six yards, you know, with Christian McCaffrey on the team too. So they're gonna split carries there for sure. And um, it's just a passing game. Then you have Debo Samuel involved as well as much. But um, Brian Ayuk had a good game, but. I think, you know, the 49ers are the most dangerous team in the NFC because of all the weapons that they have. And then once everything gels, man, just watch out. Uh, Chargers, they seem like they're going the opposite direction. Um, a lot of injuries there, kind of having to put a lot on uh, Justin Herbert, which, you know, isn't always good. But, um, yeah, they have Bosa out and most of their, their key defensive players. And even in the game, they lost, like, three players, you know, on the offensive line. They're already... You know, pretty thin there. Uh, Commanders and Eagles. Uh, that was a Monday night game. Commanders won 32-21. Uh, Eagles looked very vulnerable. Uh, Tyler Heineke, another great win for him. Um, but this is why I'm not. I'm not taking the Eagles as like they're not like this juggernaut of a team where no one can beat them. I looked at the Bills as a juggernaut, which I don't right now, which we'll get into soon. But I mean, I didn't. I didn't truly believe the Eagles as. Um, as a juggernaut, obviously they were the best team, I think, because, you know, they were undefeated and stuff, but, um, just, I didn't have that true belief that they were like surefire Super Bowl trip team, you know, cause it's so early in the season and I don't quite believe the development of, you know, that offense, but they have been playing really well, you know, and, and teams are going to have a down game. Right. But that's why I said the NFC to me is wide open. You know, you have Minnesota with that crazy game against Buffalo, um, San Francisco, once they put it all together, even Tampa, I literally just said last week that Tampa was dead in the water, but their division is weak, right? And all they need to do is win like eight or nine games and then make the playoffs. And then someone's going to have to go travel to Tampa Bay to play Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time in a playoff game. So no one wants to do that. So the NFC is wide open. I know the Rams are done, but there's a lot of, you know, there's no like really great team, but there's just a lot of teams kind of in the mix there 
uh, Cowboys and Packers. You know, Cowboys are one of those teams that are supposed to be one of those teams, but uh, they lost the Packers in overtime. Some bad play calls there. Um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers looked rejuvenated. He looked excited to beat uh, Mike McCarthy. Let's see, Cardinals and Rams. This game was terrible. You had John Wolford playing for the Rams, and then you had Cole McCoy, one Cole McCoy making a return in the starting lineup in the NFL. Um, for the Cardinals, Cardinals ended up winning 27-17. The Rams lost Cooper Cup. He was already kind of injured against the Niners game, uh, in the Niners game, because he was in the game like with a minute left in a blowout game, and he was still playing, and then you know he got tackled weird. and So now I think he's on the IR. I think he's going to miss like four weeks. So um, not... No, nothing's good happening in in LA. So I I hinted at a Super Bowl hangover for them this year. I was like, I don't think they're gonna be as dominant. I thought they would still be good. I thought they would make the playoffs, but this is just quite the uh, the Super Bowl hangover here. Like this is just embarrassing. And starting to think Sean McVay probably should have retired. Aaron Donald should retire. They should have just left. You know, they were they just won. And it was all good. The analysis, you know, you have problem after problem. There's no future draft picks. It's just a mess there. Um, and then, let's see, Vikings and Bills was, um, so far, I guess, the game of the year, right? That's what they always say. Um, Bills lost in overtime, 33-30. But this game was insane because they had a, the Vikings had a, a goal line opportunity. It's fumbled. And then the ball goes back to Buffalo. Buffalo just needs to run the clock out. Josh Allen fumbles the snap. Vikings recover, score a touchdown. And then a whole bunch of other stuff happens, and then they win the game in overtime. But Justin Jefferson is absolutely amazing. He makes this incredible catch. Uh, Kirk Cousins overthrows the ball. Uh, It's about to get intercepted. Justin Jefferson just catches it, jumps high enough, Rips it out of the defender's hand, basically. And then they, he, he throws it to him in triple coverage, double coverage, and he, he was catching everything. And it was just amazing to watch. Um, the Vikings might be for real because this was like a statement win against a team that everyone had win the Super Bowl. I had to win the Super Bowl, and uh, Kirk Cousins did it. You know, the only team, the only loss they have this year is against the Eagles. And I'd like to see a rematch of that because. I think they could probably beat the Eagles now. And for the Bills, you know, they don't look like they're juggernaut. I thought they were in the beginning of the season. Josh Allen has been struggling bad. He hasn't been making the proper reads. His pat he's been turning the ball over a lot, you know. And I think they've lost three straight. You know, they don't they're not leading the AFC East anymore. It's the Dolphins. But you'll also get into the Dolphins. The Miami 49ers are looking really good. Um but yeah, so the Bills, I mean, they do this every year, it seems like, where they start off really hot. You know, the best team, their defense is all over the place. Uh, Josh Allen's hurtling people, rushing for 200 yards. It seems like, oh, I got two rushing touchdowns, five touchdown passes. Like, looks insane. There's always like a ESPN feature on him. Like, oh, can the Bills do it again this year? Can they actually win the Super Bowl and all this stuff? And then middle of the season, they kind of they kind of get away from themselves. Their defense isn't as dominant. And then teams that are beating them are start beating them that shouldn't be beating them. Like the Jets beat them. Like that was a big win for for Robert Sala and the New York Jets. But um, they do this every time. And then the playoffs start, and then they look dominant again. And then they were in the championship, the conference championship game against uh, the Chiefs. 
So I do expect them to bounce back, but they need to bounce back quick because they almost missed the playoffs last year, if you remember. And they had that terrible loss against Jacksonville, but then, you know, then they almost made the Super Bowl. So I think they'll be back. Um, let's see. Broncos and Titans. The Titans are still having a, a great year record-wise. I think they only have like three losses. But, you know, they, their strength of schedule is really weak, and they played the Broncos. So the Broncos are just I, – I don't know what's going to happen with the Broncos and uh, Russell Wilson there. Uh, Texans and Giants. I don't think we need to talk about that one. Giants won. Uh, Chiefs and Jaguars. The Chiefs are looking really good. I think the leading MVP candidate is probably Patrick Mahomes. It was supposed to be Josh Allen's year this year or Micah Parsons maybe, but um, I think it's Patrick Mahomes because he's been really consistent. Um, no one has really been talking about the Chiefs for some reason ever since Tyreek Hill. Like we, we're just gone. So we've taken the Chiefs for granted and we're like, oh, okay, it's just Patrick Mahomes again, but he's still amazing. He's still doing amazing things and um, – that would be like the safest bet to win the Super Bowl or to go to Super Bowl out of the AFC. Um, I just believe a little bit more in the Bills. I don't know for some reason, but uh, but yeah, we need to stop sleeping on the Chiefs, which sounds weird to say because of the Chiefs. Uh, Bears and Lions. Uh, Lions finally won, but you know my parlay picks. I was wrong immediately because the first game in Germany, I picked the Seahawks to win, and the Buccaneers won. That was the first game, so I was like, okay, now I have to wait six hours for the rest of these games that I'm probably going to get wrong. So that's why I don't even want to talk about my parlay picks today. Um, Browns and Dolphins. Dolphins scoring 39 points. Um, the cast-offs of the former San Francisco 49ers backfield with Raheem Mozart playing really well there. And then the recently acquired Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, have rejuvenated the running game for the Miami Dolphins. And before... You know, like last year when they were supposed to get Deshaun Watson, who is coming back from suspension, by the way. He starts practicing with uh, the Browns this week. So that's happening. Uh, but yeah, the running game with the, the Dolphins, that has been the weak spot. It's like the Rams in their running game, just terrible. But they had like a cycle of players the Dolphins did out of the backfield, and they just haven't had anyone consistent back there at all. You know, they added the weapons um, with, you know, Jalen Waddle, and then they added Tyreek Hill, and... They have Jaseki there, tight end position. And Tua's looked amazing, actually. Like, he could be in the running for MVP. You know, especially after his concussion. Like, I think he's thrown... he's ha He hasn't turned the ball over once since he's been back. Uh, but now they have a dangerous running game. Uh, Mike McDaniel, you know, former coach of the 49ers, is drawing up great game plans for them. So they're utilizing the running game, running backs well. And you know, quick passes to those explosive players in Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. I think the Dolphins can make a run. My only issue was Tyree Kill, not Tyree Kill, um, Tua. Obviously, I was wrong about Tua. He's accurate and, you know, um, he's playing really well, though. He's playing a lot better than I had expected. Uh, Steelers and Saints, we don't need to talk about that one. Uh, Buccaneers and Seahawks, that's the one I want to talk about. The Bucks. They're finally looking a little bit better. They have a running game now, apparently. Um, the problem before was they were dependent, too dependent on Tom Brady. He was passing for, you know, like 40 times a game. Um, Leonard Fournette hasn't rushed for over 100 yards since like week two or week one, something like that. But I forgot the guy's name. It was some other running back I didn't hear, I, didn't, I haven't heard of, but he rushed for over 100 yards. So they had a more balanced attack in this game against the Seahawks and able to win the game. But but like I said, I spoke too soon. Uh, Tampa is not dead in the water. 
Um, they will they will win the division. They're going to go make the playoffs, but they're going to be a week nine and eighteen, eight and nine maybe. They're going to win the division, and you're going to have someone go over there. You're going to have someone like a wild card team like Dallas might go over there. Um, maybe the Giants might have to go over there, and they're going to have to face Tom Brady, Psycho Tom. Is what you would call him in the playoffs. And they're going to have to play Tom Brady. Recently divorced, newly single Tom Brady. He's mad. He's mad at the world. And you're going to have to... And he's he's uh, he's really disappointed in this season. And the team's going to have to go to Tampa and play him. And I just... I don't feel... I feel sorry for any team that has to do that. But, like, they're not the best team. But it's like... It's still Tom Brady. It's like the ghost of Tom Brady that you still have to face. So, um, so yeah. Getting into week 11 here. Let's... Um, Let's discuss the game lines and we'll make our picks. All right, so week 11, Thursday night, we have tonight we have the Titans at the Packers. Titans plus 150. I'll take the Titans in that one. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers win. They get rejuvenated after beating Dallas. Uh, Panthers at Ravens. Ravens look good. Uh, minus 750 at home. I'm taking the Ravens. Uh, one Baker Mayfield is starting again for the Panthers because uh, PJ Waller's injured, and I don't think we're ever going to see Sam Darnold. I guess they're just kind of moving him up and down the depth chart. Um, but Baker Mayfield is probably done as a starter, only coming in, you know, in relief of injury. Uh, Bears at Falcons. I'm taking the Falcons minus one sixty five. Browns at Bills. I'm taking the Bills to demolish the Browns. Uh, Lions and Giants taking the Giants minus 160 Rams and Saints this one uh, Rams without Cooper Cup Saints maybe they're going back to Jameis Winston the Saints have been a disaster this year that no one has really talked about I kind of want to pick I'm going to pick the Saints this one minus 175 because the Rams are also a disaster and I just uh, they don't have Cooper Cup so it's like who's going to Who's Matthew Stafford going to target? You have Van Jefferson there. If you're getting desperate fantasy wise, I'm starting Van Jefferson in one of my lineups because I'm just I don't have any. Everyone else is on a buy. So, uh, Jets at Patriots. Is this going to be the time that the Jets Robert Sala gets revenge and they beat the Patriots? I'm the last time I picked the Patriots, so I'm going to pick the Jets this one. I think they split the series, uh, the season, and then Eagles at Colts. Ooh, I just mentioned this one. Jeff Saturday is going to go into Philadelphia. Or oh, wait, no, this is at home. Are the Eagles going to come in and lose against a Jeff, a Jeff Saturday-led team? I'm going to pick the Eagles minus 300. Commanders at Texans. I guess the Commanders at minus 165. I like Taylor Heineke. Raiders at Broncos. Oh, my God. They, they should not show this game. This sounds like a London game where it should be like 13-9 to 9 or something. Um, I really don't know who to pick. The Broncos are favored by 2.5. I, I'm going to take the Broncos. I feel like the Raiders are just in free fall mode right now. At least the Broncos, like, I don't know. I, maybe, I don't, I have no, uh, I have nothing positive to say about the Broncos in comparison to the Raiders. I mean, I guess just a gut feeling that the Broncos are going to win. I don't know. That's just a nightmare game. I hope Red Zone doesn't show that game. We should not be subjected to watch that game. Bengals at Steelers. I'm taking the Bengals minus 200. Uh, Cowboys at Vikings. Even money line. I'm taking the Vikings at home. Sunday night, I got flexed. The Chiefs at the Chargers. I'm taking the Chiefs minus 270. 
a Mexico City Monday night football game for the San Francisco 49ers against the Arizona Cardinals, which is exciting. I love when they go to Mexico. Uh, I'm taking the 49ers minus 380. They always play well in Mexico. So that is our bet slip there, 14 picks. The odds are plus 67,849. So we can win $6,784 there. Um, oh, I also wanted to talk about FTX. Have you guys been following this FTX crypto? Um, I guess we're calling it a scam or a hack, whatever. Um, so the guy, Sam Friedman, whatever his name is, he's a ridiculous looking character kind of person. Um, he's out in the Bahamas right now because his company just collapsed in a few days. Uh, his net worth was $16 billion dollars last week now it's i don't even know what it is because dwindled down a lot of people this whole crypto thing a lot of people were um there was unauthorized withdrawals of from accounts and all over the world people were kind of hacking stuff or i don't know what happened i think he has to be behind it though because there's so much money being lost and then he's out in the bahamas right now and everything just collapsed it's embarrassing because ftx if you remember was that crypto commercial with Steph Curry last year. And then they also had Brady and Gronk and then Giselle was in it. They had the Super Bowl commercial with Larry David where he's like, oh, I don't believe in this. I'm usually right about these things. And turns out he was right about this thing. And uh, so it's just been entertaining to watch. It sucks for the people that lost their money. And there's like some companies where they have all their equity tied up in FTX. And there's over a billion dollars unaccounted for in like in uh lost funds for for people and companies and stuff so it's bad i think he's gonna end up um he's already getting investigated he might do jail time because it just it's too fishy for something not to uh, for him not to be involved but um uh, so yeah keep an eye on that because also the miami heat they just changed their stadium name to ftx arena last year i think it was like a 500 million dollar deal um the umpires in the major league baseball they had the FTX patch on their uniforms and it's just, it's gone downhill so fast. They had like the marketing, they had, you know, they had big names tied to it. Now all these people, all these big names are all getting like named in this lawsuit. They're getting sued because it's basically a Ponzi scheme. Can't believe everyone, man. You're going to end up getting tricked. I don't, I don't trust anyone. Um, some Ben Simmons news with the, uh, I was going to call them New Jersey Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, again, I know, guys, we're just talking about the Nets again, but there's some people in the Nets organization who don't believe uh, Ben Simmons has a desire to play basketball. Like, no shit. That's what we all have been assuming and have been guessing because the way that he acts and he has not improved his shot. He hasn't improved his his playing ability whatsoever. So of course that that's what would happen. Like he do, dude doesn't care about basketball, doesn't care about being great. Um, so now he's this Nets' problem, which the Nets they have no idea how to handle it because he's not available. They had like a big team meeting and uh, Markeith Morris, Marcus Morris, or Markeith Morris. I think they have Markeith Morris. He came out and was telling, uh, confronted Ben Simmons, said, "Hey, we need more from you, and we need to be consistent." But this Nets team is a disaster, and then. Kevin Durant goes on, he, he talks to Chris Haynes about his trade request, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is just about ball. I want to be coached right and all this. I don't like how we're preparing. And then he names the starting five. 
by name, I swear, by name. And he says, well, the only reason why you expect us to win is because number seven is out there talking about himself. Like, Dude, you just threw your whole team out of the bus. Basically like, oh, if I'm not here, like this team isn't going to do much. Well, no shit, you're Kevin Durant. But, I mean, you don't say that and like disrespect your teammates. He says, oh, no disrespect, but then continues to disrespect his team. Um, so that's what's going on with the Nets. Um, I think there's some problems in Golden State with the Golden State Warriors. They now dropped to the 12th spot. They're 6-9 the season. Steph Curry just dropped 50 points yesterday against the Phoenix Suns, and uh, they lost. They lost bad. It was like 131 to 119. Klay Thompson chipped in his 19 points. Um, Jordan Poole only had two. Jordan Poole didn't do anything. Um, it's the bench. We need more from... Dante DiVincenzo, Jordan Poole needs to have consistent games. Andrew Wiggins didn't show up. Um, I need to see Kaminga and, and Moody out there. I need some. I need some more from them. Um, but they're they haven't been. They haven't won a single road game. You know they lost to Sacramento. Um, Steph Curry is still Steph Curry, and they need to maximize the remaining years of his career. I know they just won, but how are you going to build for the future and have someone consistent there? Clay is not the same guy. I think, um, you know, Wiggins, he should have, you know, taken over and had 25 points yesterday. But um, there's a problem with James Wiseman. I don't know if people have been talking about James Wiseman, but his body language is not good. Like, he's still, I mean, he's still 19, so he's going to be immature, but he has this. He has this, there was a video, there was a clip, like, during the game, I forget what game it was, it was a couple weeks ago, but he threw a, a lazy screen for Steph Curry, and Steph Curry comes like, okay, well, I guess I'll go around this. And then James Wise rolled to the basket, he thought I was going to get the ball, and when he didn't get the ball, he threw, like, a, it was like a little tantrum, like, he kind of moved his head, like, oh, man, like, he was, like, complaining that he didn't get the ball. And now he just got sent down to the G League. Or um, is that what they call it now? The G League or the D the G League? Yeah. So he's with the Santa Cruz Warriors, which they did that with Jordan Poole, but Jordan Poole wasn't the second pick in the NBA draft, and then Jordan Poole came back as you know a, per, a potential All Star here. But with James Wiseman, there's a lot of issues there. Um, they needed him to be developed further, and he's not. It kind of relies on him because they need someone who can spread the floor big down low who can defend and he hasn't been available at all for that um so that's a concern and then the young guy is just not not playing that well uh, but if you want to look at the at the western conference standings first place is the short portland trailblazers at 10 and 4 i've just been really impressed with them all the way around damon lillard is one of the best leaders if not the best leader in the nba he has stayed loyal to the Portland Trailblazers and said, hey, I want to win in Portland. Help me win in Portland. Uh, they brought in Chauncey Billups, which I was ill-advised higher. Um, but now they're, you know, I know it's early, 14 games in, but they're first in the West. Then you have the Suns, Nuggets, Jazz are 10-6, fourth spot, Pelicans, and then uh, Kings are there. Uh, but you have the Clippers, Timberwolves, Warriors, Lakers are down bad. Lakers are 3-10 on the season uh, Rockets are three and twelve, just for comparison purposes there. But um, yeah, I don't know what the Lakers do. You know, you had LeBron injured again with a groin injury, but um, yeah. And then the East, you know, Celtics are on top. They've won eight straight games, twelve and three. Then you have the Bucks. Uh, the Hawks are looking good, nine to six there. 
Raptors. The Wizards are actually playing really well. Porzingis and Kuzma are good. Um, but then you have, look at this, 9 through 12. Sixers, 7-7. Seven and seven. Heat, 7-8. Seven and eight. Bulls at 11, 6-9. and nine. Losers at three straight. Then you have the Brooklyn Nets in the 12th spot, 6-9. and nine. Uh, but apparently Kyrie Irving is coming back soon, I guess. Um, and if the NBA Players Association are going to investigate or sue, I don't know, something's going to happen. They're going to look into it. Um, let's see what else. Shea Gilgis Alexander has had a great season so far for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, he's playing like an MVP, honestly. They're only 7-8, and eight, but they don't have all the right pieces there. But he's been exciting to watch. It's interesting timeline-wise, like where are they going to be? You know, because I don't know if he fits the timeline because I think he's 26 years old. Um, so either he's going to want to move to a big market or are they going to hold on to him? Like, I don't know. There's going to be something that has to happen there because, you know, if they're not ready, you know, next year or the year after, like he's going to be already in the prime of his career, 28 years old, still on a rebuilding Thunder team. So I don't know. He either has to be traded or, you know, they have to make some moves there. Um, let's see. So uh, White Lotus season two, White Lotus is back on HBO three episodes in. I've loved it so far this season. They're in Italy. So nice little spot. Um, you have, um, Aubrey Plaza is in it and she's been amazing in this one. Cause, um, her, I guess her, her husband is like some tech guy sold his company and they go to Italy with his two friends, with his, um, college friend and his wife and Aubrey Plaza does not like them at all because like they don't vote and they watch the news and so there's like some weird sexual tension between the four of them and then um what I always forget his name Michael Perioli or something Christopher from the Sopranos he's going on vacation with his dad and then his son to you know go to Sicily and you know go to like the old part of where their family's from their uh their great grandparents like hometown and but he's having like a life crisis like his wife i guess ex-wife or something like he's been cheating on her and stuff and she just hates him so she's always yelling up yelling at him on the phone but then he's like a sex addict too though but then i don't know it's just uh they, they have an interesting dynamic because it's like it's his dad who has like all these issues and then him he's having similar issues and then his son, who's trying to be like this progressive, like standard, uh, not standard, a uh, Stanford kid. But then, um, you know, so there's like a difference in generations and then he's kind of calling them out on who they are. And he's like, Wait. so that part is kind of funny. Um, and then Jennifer Coolidge made a return. Um, and now she's, she's in a full on marriage with a guy from the first season. I forget what his name was the, the BLM guy who she thought was at the black lives matter. But, um, yeah, great season so far. I love this show. Uh, Mike White needs to make it an anthology series, so every every season they just go somewhere else. Um, I hope it. There's. I hope this just keeps coming because I just I love it so much. Um, but yeah, so check out the show if you haven't seen it. Uh, the first season was amazing TV. It was amazing, and then the second one is also really good. And I'm enjoying it so far. So check it out. Um, but yeah, that's all we have for this week's episode. Um, next week, I'm not sure when we're going to be back. Because I'm starting a new job tomorrow. I get I get like the same day off. Or I get different days off during the week. So it might be on a Friday. It might be on a Saturday. 
I don't know, some random days. So we'll see how that goes. Cause I'm yeah, start tomorrow, and I yeah, I hate starting a new job with with new people and stuff. But uh, but yeah, have a good rest of your week, a good weekend, and we'll talk next week.